Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Want to remind everybody listening today that the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce here in Kansas City is going to be hosting its annual luncheon and Business with Heart Awards this coming Wednesday, April the 26th at the Gallery Event Space in downtown Kansas City. This year's luncheon theme is Black Business Matters, and there's going to be a great speaker in. His name is Dr. Randall Pinkett. He was a Season 4 winner of The Apprentice with Donald Trump, but he's also a serial entrepreneur. He's a speaker, a renowned author and scholar, and he's also the founder, chair, and CEO of his fifth venture, which is BCT Partners, located in New Jersey. That's a consulting, research, technology, and analytics firm, and he has taken that to multi-million dollar heights. He's the author, as I mentioned, of several books. Among them are Campus CEO, which is the Student Entrepreneur's Guide to Launching a Multi-Million Dollar Business. Another book is No Money Down CEO, How to Start Your Dream Business with Little or No Cash. And then his latest book, and one that I want to talk a little bit about today, is Black Faces in White Places, 10 Game-Changing Strategies to Achieve Success and Find Greatness. So welcome to the show today, Dr. Pinkett. Thank you for having me on the show, Kelly. I'm super excited about the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce, and I'm equally excited to be on your program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And just just before I forget, I want to mention that if you want to get tickets to the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce, just go out to their website. It's heartlandblackchamber.org, and you can get your tickets for the event coming up on April the 26th, of which Dr. Randall Pinkett will be the speaker. Let's talk a little bit about... Um, your book, the, the Black Faces in White Places. Why is that so important today? I, I mean, I, I'm assuming that that's going to be part of your talk uh, on next Wednesday, especially since the theme is Black Business Matters. Um, tell us about that book. I mean, it has really, really grown into a full-fledged campaign. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my most recent book, Black Faces in White Places, is the result of scores of interviews that that I conducted along with my co-author, Dr. Jeffrey Robinson, with prominent African-Americans in a number of different industries. We talked to entrepreneurs. We talked to uh, Fortune 500 CEOs uh, like Don Thompson, who was CEO of McDonald's, Dave Stewart, who runs the largest Black-owned business on the planet, Worldwide Technology. We talked to... uh, uh, prominent clergy like uh, uh, Otis Moss out of Chicago. Uh, we talked to leaders of nonprofits like Angela Glover Blackwell out of Oakland. And what we tried to do was we tried to understand what have been the strategies that they've used to navigate these environments where we have been and continue to be underrepresented and not lose a sense of who they are. And we distilled those discussions down to what we call the 10 game-changing strategies. So the subtitle of the book is 10 game-changing strategies to achieve success and find greatness. And we define success as what you do for yourself 
and we define greatness as what you do for somebody else. And it's gotten really great feedback and certainly the themes around particularly greatness and what you do for others are themes that I will weave into my remarks on uh, Black Business Matters because I believe mm-hmm. the reason Black Business Matters is really less about what Black business does for the business owner, although that's not to be diminished, but really what Black businesses do for the community and for our economy and for our country. Right, and to to ex- expose that and to cast awareness on it, uh, tell us about this campaign that I mentioned. It, you're you're actually on a tour with this message. Yeah, we've 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 launched the the campaign to redefine the game, and in the book, uh, which uh, again ten game changing strategy, we define the game as whatever uh, professional uh, world you operate in. Uh, our argument is that you're competing in a game. Um, there are rules of the game, there are expectations of the game. Uh, it is it is a game in the sense that it is competitive if you desire to get ahead. And we define redefining the game as leveling the playing field so that everyone has equal opportunity uh, to fulfill their destiny, that uh, as, as a woman, you have an equal opportunity as everyone else to earn a competitive salary, to become a CEO, to run a successful company. Because the tragedy is, that to this day in 2017, the playing field is not sufficiently level that if you're a young woman that you have an equal chance of becoming a Fortune 500 CEO or an equal chance of becoming a multi-million or multi-billion dollar entrepreneur. So the campaign is, is, is reaching out to corporations, to nonprofits, to all the various industries I mentioned uh, earlier in order to raise awareness of how these environments can be more inclusive and more diverse. Exactly. You mentioned that uh, greatness is what you give back to others, uh, how you impact others. Why do you believe that public service is so important? I mean, we've talked in the past, and I know that that's been a central theme throughout your career. Why is that so important? And why do you think business people in particular need to make public service a priority? My philosophy is that we don't create wealth for the sake of creating wealth. Um, And I'm a big believer that you don't chase money, you chase passion. And that if if you're fortunate enough to, to run a business and to be in a position to create wealth and create jobs, that you have a greater calling. Uh, and and that calling is not just to make money, uh, but rather that that calling, I believe, is to create opportunity, uh, to create opportunity where it may not exist, uh, to offer jobs within communities that that desperately need them, uh, to reinvest uh, that that wealth in ways that make a difference. I've been so impressed with what the likes of Bill Gates has done with his wealth or what Oprah Winfrey has done with her wealth. And I believe that's a model for all entrepreneurs, recognizing that you don't have to make billions of dollars to make a difference. Uh, that that the moment you you know you register and and, and open your storefront or launch your virtual uh, uh, virtual website or deploy that mobile app, you're in a you're you're in a very privileged and rare position uh, to to impact society 
not just from a business standpoint, but also from a societal standpoint. And that's really a core message I'll be delivering for the Heartland Black Chamber of Business. I believe that's not just why black business matters, but that's why all businesses matter is because of that opportunity. But I think it's particularly important for black business because of the, of the conditions we see in black communities, which desperately need that, that, that leadership and that economic impact and, and those opportunities from black business owners. Yes, one of the areas where you have spent uh, time uh, with your public service, and you've written a book, is, is youth entrepreneurship. And your book is, of course, Campus CEO, The Student Entrepreneur's Guide to Launching a Multi-Million Dollar Business. What do you think uh, the opportunity or the landscape is like out there for these students who are interested in starting a business? We're seeing more and more of them come out of school and not necessarily going to work for another company, but launching their own businesses while they're in school, writing their business plan as part of a curriculum. What are the opportunities out there for them? The opportunities are, are, are limitless. And to be clear, I, I was a campus CEO. I started my first venture when I was a junior at Rutgers University selling something that your podcast listeners may or may not remember called compact discs. <laughs> oh, yes, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I suspect you have some listeners that, that, that may probably have, have don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I'm, I'm not just selling the Kool-Aid. I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on, on student entrepreneurship. And if we look out into the marketplace, it is, it, it's, it's incredible if you think about the, the, the companies that were started by students. Microsoft, Dell Computers, Federal Express, Kinko's, Bad Boy Records, Sean Diddy Combs, Def Jam Recordings, Russell Simmons, uh, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Google, Yahoo, Nike, Pizza Hut, Subway. I mean, it, it's a, it is an incredible list of companies founded by students. And there's a, there's a message there. Uh, not only is the message to young people that you need not wait until you're older uh, or presume that you have to have ex more experience to be successful in business. That, that myth has been exploded. But there's also something else which you touched on, which is that students bring a certain energy. They bring a certain perspective on the market that they see opportunity that others don't see. And what I love most about students is that they don't know what they don't know. That if they yeah. talk to a grown person, they would say, well, don't bother, you're too young, or don't try that, it's too risky, or what makes you think you could do that? But students have a completely opposite mindset, which says, you can't tell me what's not possible. I will show you what is possible, and they have been transforming business for decades. Um, I wrote Campus CEO not only because it reflects my lived experience, but also to scaffold future generations of student entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, that they can that they can walk down that same entrepreneurial path, not believing they have to wait until later in life to do it. Right, and and there's so many jumping in. I mean, and even the ones who don't start their own businesses, when they come to work in a company, they don't sit back necessarily and pay their dues as so many of us did. Uh, you, you know, what I mean by that is you're quiet and you learn the ropes and then you can start speaking up and contributing. I mean, boy, you better be prepared for uh, feedback from day one in most cases. And it's, it's refreshing, really. Absolutely. No, that's, 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 that's exactly right. And Yeah, let's and, talk about it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Let's talk about leadership for just a minute. That's another area where you're very passionate about, about raising people up, and then, you know, they in turn raise others up. Uh, what do you? But in some ways, there's there's more um, focus on leadership than ever, and there's more good things coming. I think on um, the entrepreneurship side when it comes to leadership, but when it comes to uh, leadership of our country and leadership in politics, there's just so much divisiveness. And so how do you, on the one hand, have um, almost this religion of leadership that you hear about on the business side and it's embraced and the principles, and then on the other side, you've just got this divisiveness. It's hard to reconcile for me. Well, it, it's hard for me to reconcile as well. I, I've had growing concerns over the past few years about leadership uh, in our country and the very divisiveness that, that you referenced a moment ago. The 2016 election, which saw my former boss uh, and, and, and host of The Apprentice, Donald Trump, uh, become president, was, was hands down the most divisive and contentious election uh, of, of our time. And regardless of whether your listeners supported Donald or, or, or were against Donald, uh, what we can all agree is that, it, that, that the election and the outcome of the election was a wake-up call. Uh, and, and, I, and I believe that it, it, it points to not only a, a kind of gap in leadership, but I think a, more fundamentally a, a gap in values. Uh, that, what do you mean by that? That I think that there are certain values that we uphold within our democracy, within our country, around inclusiveness, around diversity, around being a global citizen, uh, around uh, you know reinforcing behaviors that are respectful of one another and uh, and, and that bring us together rather than than divide us and you know what I saw on the campaign trail and what I'm now seeing by way of policy as far as building walls and you can take that metaphorically or literally about banning people take that metaphorically or literally uh, about allowing violence at campaign rallies or uh, remaining silent from endorsements from the likes of the Ku Klux Klan or questioning the legitimacy of a judge based solely on what was perceived to be his, his ethnic origins when, in fact, he was born in, in, in America. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. These, to me, are, are, are questions of values and that, uh, that you know, we, 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 we anoint leaders as a reflection of what we value. And so... For me, I, people kept asking me as somebody who worked for Donald, you know, uh, the question I was often asked is, you know, you know, what's the problem with Donald? And my response is, no, what's the problem with America? What's the problem with America? Yeah, turn, turn it right back on, look in the mirror, huh? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let's, let's talk a minute about your uh, appearances on The Apprentice. What did you learn from there that you were able to take? You're a serial entrepreneur. You're a very successful serial entrepreneur running a multi-million dollar business as we speak, uh, you know, written lots of books that in their own right are, are businesses in, in a sense. How did, what did you learn and, and what did you take back from that that you've been able to apply? Um, it's, a, it's a really good question. I, I, I've, been, I've been pretty outspoken and critical of, of, of Donald and some have interpreted that as though uh, I'm not 
thankful of the opportunity. I, I, I remain indebted to Donald for for hosting The Apprentice, for selecting me as his apprentice as well. It was an incredible opportunity for me. It, it, it was it was an opportunity unlike any other. There are very few, or there were back in 2004, 2005, very few opportunities for an aspiring entrepreneur to, to, to make it onto national television as an entrepreneur. And The Apprentice was the, the, the first, arguably, of what would follow, such as Shark Tank and others, that would give entrepreneurs a, a real spotlight. Yeah. And and what I learned, which was an incredibly valuable lesson for me, was that seeing the inner workings of a multi-billion-dollar corporation, that being the Trump Organization, you know, as I serve as an executive with Trump Entertainment Resorts, <clears throat> that seeing the inner workings of that multi-billion-dollar organization helped me to realize that what happens in a multi-billion-dollar company was not that different than what happened in my multi-million-dollar company. The same fundamentals of business, the same principles of of marketing and sales and operations and finance and accounting all all applied. Now, granted, they had more zeros on their budgets than I had on my zeros, uh, but it gave me a, a renewed sense of confidence, and it really raised the level of expectation that I had for myself. And I'll say it very simply to say it. If this is what it takes to run a multi-billion-dollar company, mm-hmm. I can do this. I can do this. And I took that energy back to my firm, BCT Partners, and we've been on a growth trajectory ever since. If you had to give one piece of advice to our listeners today, who are primarily business owners who want to grow their businesses, what would it be? My primary advice would be that you can never, ever deny the importance of having a great team. You know, the the perception of entrepreneurial success uh, tends to be the individual. Uh, Steve Jobs, Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the reality of entrepreneurial success is that Zuckerberg had Saverin, you know, Gates had Allen, uh, Winfrey had Jacobs. Uh, Google was Sergey Brin and Larry Page, Yahoo, David Philo, Jerry Yang, BTT Partners, my firm, Randall Pinkett, Jeffrey Robinson, Dallas Grundy, Lawrence Hibbert. There is the story behind the story, whether you see it or not, almost always is a team, a team, and a team. Uh, and if you've read the book Good to Great by Jim Collins, yes. you know Collins talks about the level five leader who thinks who first and then what. Uh, the level five leader being the great leader the level four leader being the good leader, but the great leader thinks, who should be on my team? And only after I've made that determination do I ask the question, what should this team be doing? Which is almost counterintuitive because most of us think, what should we be doing? And then we find people to help us get there. So, right. And, and so exploring that, that, that myth of the individual, focusing exclusively on the team and asking the question, do you – have a solid team. Do you know them as well as you know yourself? Is everyone in their position and playing their position? And how do you orchestrate that team to entrepreneurial success? That's my best piece of advice for any entrepreneur who, who I hope is not listening and out there going it alone. 
Yes, that is great advice and uh, very great insights today. We're looking forward to seeing you next week on April the 26th here in Kansas City at the Heartland Black Chamber of Commerce's annual luncheon and Business Heart Awards. Again, that's on Wednesday, April the 26th, just a week away, downtown at the gallery event space. You can get tickets by going out to Heartland, Heartland Black Chamber org and Dr. Randall Pinkett, our guest today, will be the keynote speaker. So he'll have a lot more to say. We had such a brief time uh, this morning, but he has uh, much, much more time at the luncheon, and, and it'll be a great talk, I assure you. And before we leave today, I just want to thank you, Dr. Pinkett, for taking the time to come to Kansas City and share your message with us. Well, thank you, Kelly. I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to come back to Kansas City. I want to thank you again for having me on your program and you continue to do the great work you're doing supporting entrepreneurs. We appreciate you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. And just one last thing. If somebody would like to get copies of your book, how would they do that? Uh, they can get uh, full information on me at randallpinkett.com, or they can find me on social media at randallpinkett, randall with one L. Yes, I was going to say that. Randall Pinkett with two T's and one L. Uh, you, you can go out you can go out and Google him, and all of his information will come up, and you can buy his books. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Twitter at IThinkBigger or on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.